hearts in worship. And uh, Joshua chapter 1, if you're not coming, if you're here this morning and you're visiting, there's no obligation to give. Um, and so, just enjoy your time with us today. All right. How's everyone? Good. All right. Thanks, Derek. I hope that, um, I hope that you've had a good week, and, and uh, not that your week hasn't brought challenge, but I hope that you've experienced something of God's presence this week in the day in and day out of your walk, and that's what God intends for you and I, that in, in, in the everyday, in the mundane, in, when, you're, when you're going to school and, and when you're uh, you know, doing your work, your responsibilities, that in, in different moments that God would break into our lives and we would be so aware of His presence. And so um, we are here uh, at Joshua chapter 1 again, and I just, uh, if you're not there, just take a minute to get there. If you're visiting today, we are in a series called Possibilities. And so I think we have that slide. So Pastor Kyle, um, I mentioned before, he does a great job with our visuals, and, and this is the design that he came up with when I said to him, you know, I think we should be doing a study in the series of Joshua, or a series in, this, in, the, in the book of Joshua, and let's call it Possibilities. And so... The I'm is crossed out. God is a God of the impossible. And that's what we've been pressing into for the past number of weeks. And so this morning, um, we'll get to the title of the message in a moment. But I really felt that I needed to start <clears throat> by saying this to you today. And I'm not sure who this is for. Um, but I felt that I need to say to you today, God is doing a great work in your life. God is doing a great work in your life. I'm going to say once more. God is doing a great work in your life. And sometimes it feels as though there isn't a lot of great work happening in our lives. I read this this, this uh, week. Hudson Taylor said this. He said, in every great work of God, there are three stages. And we'll have that next slide. First, it's impossible. Then it's difficult. And then it's done. I love that. We're where he knew that in every great work of God, and if God is doing a great work in your life, which he is, you may be at one of these three different stages where you may be at the impossible stage and you may be thinking, God, I don't feel like you're doing a great work in my life, but he is. And you may feel like you're at the impossible stage where God, this is, this is impossible. There, I don't see how this part of me can change. I don't see how this, this perspective that I have in this area of my life can change. But God is doing a great work in your life. And make no mistake that what is impossible with us is possible with God. So in every great work of God, let's get this deep in our hearts today. I believe this is for someone or maybe for all of us. That it's impossible first, then it's difficult, and then it's done. That that mountain begins to crumble and that that mountain in your life can move. You may be at the stage where it's difficult, where, okay, you begin to have this glimmer of hope. And you begin to be reminded, God, you are the God of the impossible. I'm beginning to see some cracks in that wall, and I'm at the difficult stage. But I'm going to keep persevering. I'm going to press in because one of these days, it's going to be done. And God's work in that area of your life will be done. And there's other things that he'll move, uh, begin to move in your life to do. And so in every great work of God, first it's impossible, then it's difficult, and then it's done. Isn't that good? I think that there's something in that that if that, you know, we could go home right now and just mull, mull that over. And some of you are thinking, yeah, let's do that. We do want to get to the word um, a little deeper today. 
But that's for someone here this morning. There's no doubt in my mind that you need to hear that. God is doing a great work in your life, and it may seem impossible at first, and then it's going to feel difficult, and then it's going to be done. God is doing what He's going to do, and nothing is going to stop Him. That mountain is going to move. And so we come to Joshua chapter 1, and uh, God is doing a great work in the nation of Israel, and He's using Joshua to help to lead that. And so here's the beginning. They're at the impossible stage, right? They're not even at the difficult stage yet, and they're certainly not at the done stage. But God is saying to them, listen, there's some some things ahead that are good for you, and follow me in that, and you're going to see that God's going to do something. And so this is the stage at which we are at again in this place in Joshua. Joshua is reminded that there are battles ahead, There are battles ahead. In the midst of the great work that God is doing, there are going to be some struggles. There's going to be some battles. But God has an instruction for Joshua and the Israelite people that will keep them on track. I was thinking, you know, what are some battles that you and I face? Because in the landscape of your life, there are going to be some giants that pop up. There's going to be some giants that pop up, and there's going to be a battle that ensues. And God's desire is that we experience victory in those moments in our lives. What battles might you be facing? Well, there's a number of battles that we face. You might be facing the battle of your will. Has anyone won that battle yet completely? No. Might be the battle of your will where we we struggle at times to surrender to God in an area of our lives, and it's your will where there's a battleground. And you know that there's an area of your life that you need to surrender to God, that you need to follow Him and be obedient in, but then there's this little thing that called your will, and it's actually a really big thing. And perhaps that's the battle that you're facing today, and, and it's your will, the choice to live for God. And there's some area of that that you're still battling with. Maybe you're battling with doubt today, and, and that battle is, is the battle to overcome that voice that begins to speak into your ear and say, you know, this really is impossible, or God hasn't been faithful in your life, or God has things for everyone else but not for you, or you will never overcome this habit or this place where you continue to fall. And perhaps the battle today is right there, and it's in your mind, and it's with doubt. We have battles that we encounter And yet God intends for us to win those battles so that there can be victory. And so God says to Joshua, there's a battlefield ahead, but we're going to read Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, and I think I have it for you on on the screen if you don't have it in front of you. Let's read this together. So familiar, but we're going to glean some things today. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful. That's a nice word. We hear that a lot in our society. You want to be successful. That you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything within it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You know, there's some things in this passage of Scripture that, that God begins to say, if, he, here's the path uh, to success. But I want to I take a moment to define the context of success for Joshua. 
You know, what was success for Joshua? You know, sometimes we, we talk in this way, you know, we need to define the win. Have, has anyone ever said that to you? Where you need to define the win. What does it look like in this circumstance to be successful? And God is saying to Joshua, there's, there's some success that you can experience ahead of you, but what was that success like in Joshua and the Israelite nation? What did that look like? And it looked like this. It looked like them winning the battles and walking in freedom. Those two things. So when God is saying to Joshua, I want you to be successful, there's two areas that he wanted them to experience success. And number one is, God is saying to them, there are battles ahead, but I want you to win them. I want you to experience the thrill of victory. I want you to experience the, the ability uh, to overcome the things that have been holding you back. And so the first thing that God says, this, let me paint success for you, Joshua. It's, it's winning the battles. And the second thing is this, it's walking in freedom, not walking in slavery, not wandering in the desert of their life any longer, but beginning to walk out what it meant to be free as they were following God. And those were two things that defined success for them. And I believe those are the definitions of success for you and I as we follow Jesus, that we will win the battles that we face in life and that we will walk in freedom as God intended us to walk in freedom. And so, so God says to, to Joshua, here's, here's the key. One of the keys is this, that you need, to, you need to know my word and you need to obey it. And this morning, the title of my message is simply this, hear, speak, and do. So, so God says to Joshua, there's three keys to your success in, in, in walking in victory and walking in freedom. It's knowing the truth, it's speaking the truth, and it's following the truth. It's obeying what God begins to lay out for you to walk in, that path of obedience. And he says, Joshua, if you and the nation of Israel do this, you will win battles and you will walk in freedom. And, and it's the same for you and I today. As we begin to understand the power of God's word, as we know it, as we speak it, and as we obey it, that's one of the keys for you to walk in victory and to walk in freedom. And so, we come to this moment of, of, of again, looking at the Word of God. Stephen uh, Furtick writes about, he's a, a pastor in the, in, the, in the States, he writes about the story of Joshua, and he's the one that, that, that puts it in these three words, hear, speak, and do. Hear, speak, and do. When it comes to the Word of God, we need to hear it, we need to know it, we need to speak it, it needs to be on our lips, and we need to obey it. And we will begin to walk in victory and in freedom. And so the first is this, hearing the Word of God, let's begin there, hearing the Word of God initiates faith. This is a familiar passage to us, Romans 10, 17, and it says this, faith comes by hearing the message or by hearing the Word, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. You know, there's one place where you can acquire faith, and that is in God's Word. Are you struggling with your faith today? Are you struggling with walking in a place of faith? There's one place where you're going to find that, and that is in God's Word. And here we come to this, this uh, beginning point in walking in victory and in walking in freedom. It's, it's immersing ourselves in the truth of God's Word. It's, it's hearing the Word of God, and as you begin to immerse yourself in God's Word, something happens in you. God begins to use His Word to begin to build faith within your heart, faith to believe Him for things ahead that, that may be challenges, but that you're going to find victory in. 
faith to believe that he is who he says he is, and he will be faithful to what he has said that he will do in your life. And it begins with hearing the word of God. It begins with immersing ourselves in God's word. And if we are to be people who walk in faith, we need to saturate our minds with the word of God. That's the beginning point. That's the beginning point. You know, that's why, have you ever, ever struggled with spending time in God's word on a regular basis? Anyone struggle with that? I can raise my hands as well. I wonder why there's such a battle that, that, that is at that point of just consistently being in God's Word. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because if you begin there, the enemy knows that your faith is going to begin to be built and bolstered. You're going you're to begin to have this faith that rises up within you, and you're going to begin to walk that journey uh, of, of um, experiencing victory and freedom. And so, of course, there's going to be a battle. Because if you don't start by immersing yourself in God's Word, then some of the things that God wants to do in your life just won't follow. They won't. You will find faith as you spend time in God's Word. And God's Word is living and it's active. So do not be surprised if you struggle with spending time in God's Word on a regular basis. So the first battle you're going to face is spending time in God's Word. There's, there's the first battle in your life. And if the enemy knows, if he can prevent you from knowing God's word, then he can prevent you from walking a walk of deep faith. And he can prevent you from walking in victory and in freedom. And so God says to Joshua, know God's word. We need to know his word first if we're going to speak it and if we're going to obey it. And so the second thought this morning is speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God activates faith. Listen to what God said to Joshua. He said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Interesting that he said, don't let this word depart from your mouth. And he also says that we are to meditate on God's word. It is, it is to be something that we, that, ru- that we ruminate over, that we think about, that, that we come back to and we meditate on. But he says, don't let the book of the law, don't let God's word depart from your mouth. Make the ways and the words of God a natural part of your vocabulary. Speak the word of God. And when you begin to speak God's word, something happens in you at that level as well. And your faith begins to get activated and and your thinking begins to line up with what God's word actually says. And you begin to see your circumstance in the light of what God says about who he is and about what he can do. And there's an alignment that begins to take place. When you speak the word of God, something happens in you and something happens in your circumstance. Ephesians reminds us that the word of God is a weapon, right? It's the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. And so as you begin to know God's word, then the second thing that you need to begin to do with God's word is you need to begin to speak it. And when a circumstance comes up that 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 is trying to defeat you or discourage you, then the word of God as you speak it out becomes a weapon against that. It it brings victory in that circumstance. There's something about the word of God that is powerful and living and active. And so we need to not only know God's word, but we need to speak the word of God. I was thinking Jesus demonstrated this, didn't he? Remember Jesus, such a familiar um, passage of scripture, but Jesus in Matthew chapter four Scripture says that uh, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan, 
and we find that at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and rests on him, and, and the Father affirms Jesus. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately after that, there's a, an interesting thing that happens in Jesus' life. The Holy Spirit begins to lead him, but where's the first place that the Spirit of God led Jesus? It was into the wilderness, right? And, and the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, and, and there was 40 days where Jesus was fasting, and I believe that in those 40 days, the Spirit of God was doing a deep work in the life of Jesus. There was this concentrated work of the Spirit of God in his life, and at the end of those 40 days, Matthew says that the enemy came to tempt Jesus. How many of you have found that if, as you begin to take steps of faith for God, as you begin to experience a work of the Spirit of God in your life, that the enemy tries to come and snatch that away? The enemy tries to discourage that in your life. And so in those moments, how are you to combat the enemy when he comes against you? Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus spoke the Word of God. And it's interesting that, that the enemy came to tempt Jesus, and, and Jesus in that moment, he knew the Word of God, and then he began to speak it. And you know what he was speaking out of? What book was he speaking out of? Galatians, maybe? Colossians? Maybe it was Ephesians. That's one of my favorite books. No, he was speaking out of Deuteronomy. You know, Jesus had the Old Testament. That's all he had, Right? When, when, when Scripture talks about Jesus knowing the Word of God, it was the Old Testament. And you may think, and you may have this impression, you may, you may think, well, you know, we're New Testament Christians, and so the Old Testament really doesn't have a, a lot to draw from. Jesus spoke the words of Scripture, and that is how He defeated the temptation that the enemy was bringing against Him. And it was actually some passages from Deuteronomy chapter 3 and chapter 6. And when Satan tempted him to begin to walk his own direction, when Satan tempted him to worship things other than God, Jesus began to speak the Word of God. And as you and I are tempted, we need to know the Word of God so we can speak it. And know this, there is power in God's Word to defeat the enemy and his work in your life. There's power in the Word of God. And this, the Word of God is, is living and active. I keep coming back to that just to remind you again today that God, His intention for you is to walk in victory, and if you don't know God's Word, it's difficult to do that. Because when the enemy comes, what is your, what is your battle stance going to be against him? If it's not the Word of God, what will it be? You need to know the truth and begin to speak it over your circumstance. And I'm so encouraged by, by how uh, many of you are growing in your walk with God. And, and I received an email, I was CC'd on an email this week, and it was all about this. It, it was a mother who was sharing with some other mothers, and she was saying, here's three scripture verses that my parents prayed over me consistently. And she said, there was power in the word of God that was spoken over my life. And, and I, went, I was wayward for a while away from God, but I came back to God, and I'm walking in a greater intimacy with Him. And she said, you know, part of it was that my, my parents began to speak the truth of God's word over me as a child. And there is power in that. There's something about the truth of God's Word. And parents, if you haven't grasped onto some verses that speak about the blessing that, that there can be in your children's life, if you're not speaking the Word of God over your children, I want to encourage you to begin to consider that today. Is there any Scripture in your home? Are there some Scriptures that God has laid on your heart that you are praying over your children? 
that you are praying over your husband, that you are praying over your wife. We need to be speaking God's word. There's power in the word of God. And so I just want to encourage you today that there would be a hunger in you to begin to say, God, lead me to some scripture. Lead me to some truth that is pertinent to my situation that I can begin to pray into my situation and declare the word of God over my situation. And so we need to not only know the word of God, but we need to speak the word of God. And then the third thing is this. We need to also obey the word of God. And doing the word of God demonstrates our faith. <clears throat> doing the word of God demonstrates faith. You know, James kind of presses into this a little bit. He says, you know, you, ha you have faith? Well, I, I kind of need to see it, right? Faith is about walking in obedience to God. Demonstrating your faith is walking in obedience. And your faith becomes visible by the choices you make in God's direction. And by saying, God, if this is your plan for my life, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be obedient to that. I'm not just going to mouth the words, yeah, I love God and, and I want to serve Him, but when there's a decision, when there's a fork in the road, I'm going to take, take your path every time, God. And I'm going to begin to demonstrate my faith by doing the Word of God. And so, Joshua chapter 1, God says this, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. As you begin to not only know God's word, but speak God's word, and then to determine in your heart, I'm going to obey you, God. You will begin to walk in places of victory and in places of freedom. Because doing the word of God demonstrates your faith. I like that image where, where God, God kind of gives this image to Joshua, and, and it's an image of walking uh, on, on, a, on a given path in a direction and he says to him, listen, don't deviate to the right or to the left. Don't get distracted. You know, stay on the path that I have for you. Don't get out of that lane of obedience and, and allow me to lead you. And I was thinking that a, a relative of ours um, recently bought a Mercedes uh, SUV. And uh, boy, it's, it's a nice vehicle, I have to say. I had a chance to drive it. Um, and um, there's, no, there's no jealousy in me, I don't think. Um, so there's this beautiful black Mercedes SUV. And so, you know, me being, a, being someone who is interested in technology and, you know, cars and that kind of thing, I got out the, uh, I got out the um, instruction manual. And I realized that, that Mercedes-Benz has this thing called um, lane assist. Have you heard of it? And I, I guess it's a combination of, of cameras that, you know, watches you as you're driving and, and it detects if you start to doze off, it'll give you a warning. Or, or if you start to drift out of the lane that you're in, it'll actually begin to correct that for you and give you a warning. And, and it's, just, it's called lane assist. Now, you know, my 10-year-old my vehicle doesn't have that. Um, but, but I was thinking, uh, Joshua had lane assist long before Mercedes-Benz ever thought of it, Right? God is saying, listen, don't deviate. And if we know God's word, we're going to know when we're starting to deviate, right? And God's word will correct us and say, no, 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 not, not there. Don't go down that path in your life. Because if you begin to make those choices, it's just going to lead to hurt and misery and disappointment. But here's, here's the truth of the word of God that you're to live by. And God's word becomes like that lane assist where we, we know God's word in a way that that. It becomes uh, that, that warning to us when we begin to stray away from God's path. And so if you don't know the word of God, you could easily begin to get off that path and not even know 
that you're beginning to make choices that don't reflect God's best for your life. And so be careful to do everything written in God's Word. We can hear the Word of God, we can speak the Word of God, but if we're not doing the Word of God, then we'll never truly walk in that place of faith and victory that God wants us to. You know, faith is not just a positive mental state, but it plays out in obedience. I'll say that again. Faith isn't just this, this positive mental state about a situation, but faith as it comes to following God plays out in obedience to God, and it's based on God's Word. And so, did Joshua, take, did Joshua take God's advice? See, this was the beginning of their journey about to cross into the Jordan River. And, um, and we know that he did. I want to take you uh, to uh, Joshua chapter 24. And I want to just show you the heart of Joshua. I love, the more I read about Joshua's life, I just think, I, man, I love this guy. He's, um, he was wholeheartedly sold out for God. And he lived his life that way. But Joshua chapter 24 did Joshua take this advice? Let's begin uh, reading at verse 14, and I want to set the scene. Joshua is 110 years old at this point, and there has been 40 years of them walking into their inheritance. So 40 years back, they stood at the Jordan River, and God said to them, listen, if you want to be successful, know my word, and then just follow it, be obedient. 40 years later, Joshua is about to die, and he gathers the nation of Israel again, like like a fatherly figure would, like a good leader would, and, he, and he, he wants to, one last time, he wants to instill something of his heart into their lives. And so picture this scene. The nation of Israel is gathered. Their leader of, of 40 years wants to say something to them. He's about to die. And he says this in Joshua chapter 24, verse, verse 14 and 15. <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to start at verse, uh, yeah, that's right, verse 14. He says, now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods that your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your forefathers served beyond the river or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me, in my household, we will serve the Lord. Then he goes on in verse 24. He says this again. Throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he drew up for them decrees and laws and, and Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the oak tree near the place of the Lord. And see, he said to the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us and it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. You know, what, what kind of boggles my mind a little bit is that after 40 years uh, of walking into their inheritance and seeing God help them uh, in different areas of their lives to find victory and to find freedom, they're still carrying gods with them. And Joshua twice says to them, he, he basically says, okay, yeah, it's time for a decision. And we, we've been walking 40 years in, in, in walking into the places of God's inheritance for us. And yet there's still areas of your life 
where you're hanging on to your own little gods, where you haven't fully let those things go. And I think, can that really be true? And I look at our own hearts and I say, oh, yes, it can be. Where, where, where there's this moment again where we come to a point of decision and, and the, the gods that we hold on to for us are places where we haven't really yet surrendered to God. It may be an area of your will, it may be a, a hard issue for you, but you haven't surrendered that to God yet. And, and Joshua's words ring true to us today. Throw those things away and choose to serve God. Choose to obey God with all of your heart. And God will help you with that. If that's your desire, God will give you the strength to be obedient. But it does come to a moment of truth. And I just love this guy. There's no swaying for him. He's on his deathbed, and he issues a challenge. Listen, throw away those gods. And he says this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he makes a declaration in front of that entire nation of Israel. Listen, I'm going to obey God. That may seem undesirable to you. And so if it does, you need to make your choice and begin to follow the gods that you choose to follow. But I'm going to serve God. And as for me and my house, we are going to make choices to obey God. I'm going I'm to just keep following him with all of my heart. And he kind of he just brings them to a point of decision. Listen, it's time to make a choice. It's time to choose. And I wonder there, this morning if there are some of you that need to hear that today. It's time to make a choice. Are you all in with God? Or are you going to continue to withhold areas of your life and say, no, God, in that area, I'm politely inviting you out. And I know what is right. I know how I should be living. But thank you, but no thank you. There's the door. And I wonder this morning, church, if that isn't part of what God wants to speak to us today, that we will come to a point of saying, as for me, I will serve the Lord. And I will serve Him with all of my strength, with all of my heart, with all of my life. God, I want to obey you. God, I want not to deviate from the path that you have for me because I know that that's the path of blessing. I know that that's the path of victory in my life. I know that that's the path of freedom. And Joshua just doesn't mince words. He says, you're still carrying some gods that you need to get rid of. And it's time to choose. It's time to choose. Church, I, I feel like this is something that we are to consider as a church. You know, are, are we going to be a church that follows God with all of our hearts? Are we going to be a church that's equipped and ready to face the battles that come our way and then find victory and find the joy of walking in freedom? Then if we are, we need to settle this issue of being wholeheartedly committed to God and saying, God, as for me, I will serve you. And as for me, I will obey. I will, with a joyful heart, I will serve the Lord. And man, Joshua was just that kind of guy. He got it. He knew. He knew that hanging on to those little gods that in some way still carried security for them, he knew that those things were holding them back. And he brings them to this point of decision again. And he says, obey God. Serve God. That is the best path for your life. It really is. 
I want to make an important point this morning, and that is that this obedience is the key, but it needs to be out of a place of intimacy. You see, obedience that flows from relationship is powerful and life-giving. Obedience that is separated from intimacy with God, that is what we call religion. That is religion, capital R where if we just say, yeah, I'm going to be obedient, but there's no intimacy with God, you know what that becomes? It becomes just that. It becomes following a list of rules, and there's no power in that. There's no life in that. There's no, there's no uh, freedom in that. In fact, it becomes bondage for you. And so make, make, make it very clear this morning, let us be so clear that when God calls us to a place of obedience, it's never separated from a place of intimacy, never. And so obedience and intimacy coupled with God's Word, brings victory. Obedience to God's Word out of a place of intimacy will, will bring victory in your life in ways that you've never known it before. And so we can never separate obedience from intimacy and relationship. Apart from intimacy with God, obedience to His law is simply religion. Oh, let's never forget that, church. Let's never, never forget that that your obedience to God flows out of this desire of, of walking in intimacy with Him. It flows out of this desire to say, God, I want to know you intimately in my life. I want to be a man that follows God and that knows Him intimately. intimately. I want to be a woman that, that knows what it is to serve God and to know Him intimately. I want to be a young person that knows what it is to obey God in my life, but it's out of a place of intimacy. It's not just rules and regulations. That's religion. That's dead. It will become like a shackle on your foot, like a ball and chain around you. But an obedient heart that flows from an intimacy with God is powerful. You will begin to walk in a place that is life-giving, that is full of the life of God. And so never forget, never separate obedience from intimacy. Never, never, never it will be dry religion, and you will end up disappointed and walking away from that, and hopefully finding an intimacy with God that will bring you back. There's this sobering reminder in Scripture, and, and um, I want to come to a close with just with pursuing this thought a little bit more. And in Acts chapter 19, would you turn there with me? I'm just going to read a few verses, and we're coming to a close. But Acts chapter 19 is a reminder to us that that following God's word is always out of a relational place. Acts chapter 19, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 13. <clears throat> and you're going you're to read the account of some men who knew the power of God's word. They knew the power of Jesus' name, but they did not know Jesus. And let's just read it. Acts chapter 19. Verse 13, some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, uh, who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? The man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. Seven men overpowered. 
He gave them such a beating that they ran out of that house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Have you ever heard of a revival starting that way? A little bit unusual, isn't it? It's not typically how we um, would experience a work of God, per se. But here's what was happening. There was, there was a group of men who began to understand, wow, there is power in the Word of God. There is power in Jesus' name. And, and I believe they were experiencing a measure of success. God will always honor His Word. And there is power in the name of Jesus. But they didn't know Jesus. They knew the Word of God. They knew the power of the name of Jesus, but it was absolutely separated from an intimacy with Jesus. They weren't walking in relationship with Jesus. They did not know Him. They knew the power of His name. They knew the power of the Word, but they didn't know Jesus. And you know, the application for us today is that we can live by righteous principles. Hear this. We can live by righteous principles. And we can be devoid of an intimate relationship with God, and we can find some measure of success. You can decide, I'm going to live by righteous principles that I find in God's Word, and at the same time have no intimacy with God, and you will find some measure of success. God honors His Word. There will be some measure of freedom in your life. A few giants will be defeated. But sooner or later, we'll face a situation that will bring us to our knees. And we will face a giant that we cannot overcome. And you know, it is in those moments that we may realize, you know, I really don't know Jesus intimately. And I know the power of His Word and, and I've experienced some measure of living by the principles that I find in the Word of God. But I don't know Jesus intimately. And sooner or later, we will come to that moment in our lives. And if there's areas of your life where you've been pretending, it'll just be exposed. And you'll realize, I, I can't pretend anymore. And I hope in that moment that you begin to call out to God. I hope in that moment that I, that I would begin to say, God, in this area of my life, man, I, I have been pretending. I've been living my own life. And God, I need to come to a place of surrender. And I need to begin to walk in obedience out of an intimacy with you. And so these seven sons of Sceva, they discovered that sooner or later, they were going to bump up against the enemy in a way that exposed their lack of intimacy with Jesus. And so you can experience some measure of success by living a religious life. By going to church on Sunday, by putting in place some principles that are good and healthy that you find in God's Word. But if you don't know an intimacy with Jesus, there will be a giant that you will face one day and you will realize, wow, I've been pretending in some way and I need to call 
on the name of God. I need to call it to God. I need to know an intimacy with him that brings freedom in my life in a new way. You know, Denzel Washington, I, I was watching a clip of him talking to a group of young adults about, about navigating life. And you know Denzel Washington, right? Such a, such a well-known um, actor, has starred in many movies. And at one point, he's talking to this group of young people, and, and he's such an amazing communicator, and, and he just got them captivated, right? They're listening to every word that he's saying. And at one point, as he's sharing advice to them, he says this. He says, he says when you go to bed at night, you know, and they're listening, oh, what's, what's coming next? He says, when you go to bed at night, put your shoes way under the bed. Because in the morning, that means you'll have to get down on your knees to get them. And while you're down there on your knees, take some time to pray and to seek God. Take some time to thank God for His mercy and His goodness and faithfulness. Take some time to commit your day to God and to wait on Him for His wisdom and His strength. Take some time to wait on Him so that His presence begins to become real to you. And I wonder this morning if some of us might need to go home tonight and take our shoes and go upstairs and put them way under the bed. And literally, perhaps, you may need to do that. So that tomorrow morning when you get up and you reach under there and you're on your knees, you take some time to stop and just seek God for His presence in your life that day. And just begin Begin to say, God, I need to know an intimacy with you. I have been going to Glad Tidings Church for 40 years, but I don't know you intimately. And I've experienced some measure of freedom in my life because I've been obedient in some ways. I've lived some principles that are godly. And you've honored your word, God. But I, if I was going to be honest, I do not know an intimate relationship with Jesus. Church, this morning, there is, there is a greater freedom that we can know. There is a greater power of God that can flow through your life. And it begins by, by making a decision, God, I'm all in with you. And I, I want it all or I don't want any of it. And God, I want to know an intimacy with you. I want to know, Jesus, I want to know an intimacy with you. And so this morning, perhaps we need to throw away some gods, <laughs> some things in our lives that, that we've been holding on to, areas of our lives where we've been walking in disobedience. And God is just saying to you, you know, come to new places of freedom. Come to new places of blessing in me and just trust that, that I'm going to help you to be obedient in that area of your life. As difficult as it may seem, God wants you to win battles that bring victory. God wants you to walk in freedom in the truest sense of the word. Don't settle for religion, but just allow God to begin to cultivate in you a deep hunger for him, a deep desire to walk in an intimacy with him that will bring you to new places of freedom in your life. That's God's heart for you. That's what God's desire is for your life. And so this morning, I'm just going to ask that we would stand and, 
And we're going to take a moment to respond. Stephanie, would you come back for a moment? Would you join me in standing this morning? And you know, there, there are parts of this series in, in this book of Joshua that are challenging. They really are. But how many of you know that being challenged sometimes is not a bad thing? It's a good thing. It allows God to begin to work in our hearts in a, in a deeper and in a new way. And so this morning, I don't, know, I don't know what part of God's Word has spoken to you today. What, what I do know is this, that when we come to God's Word and we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us, then He will, right? He will, and He has. And then we have an opportunity to respond to Him and just to say, God, I, I sense you know, that part of, of the Word of God spoke to me. I know it's for me, and I, I 